Welcome to Leading Lights. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Praise the Lord. Welcome, welcome. It's great to have you with us. We're at the end of our purpose course, which has been wonderful. And I really believe that today is the best of all. Um, Let me just put it in context. Paul the Apostle, we, we mentioned him in one of our earlier talks about how he said that all the trials and tribulations that he's going through, he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul, in his life, all the time, saw himself in a race. He understood his life in the context of a race with a finish line. And I want to talk about the finish line today. Let me just read, at the end of Paul's life, um, he says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He was about to die. His physical body... And his physical life was about to end, and he knew it. He says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Quite a, quite a descriptive way of saying, I feel this is the end of my life. But then listen to what he says. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. He knew that he'd done what his purpose was. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There's an end date. (laughs) He talks about his life as a race. Have you ever seen the 100 meters when you watch the Olympics? And you can see the whole 100 meters from beginning to end in front of you. You sat in the stands. The crowd, we're all around. I've, I've never actually sat in the crowd. I've always watched it from TV. But imagine you're in the crowd and you can see the whole race, the beginning and the end. And you can see the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. Time is there in front of you, the race. And Paul says, I'm running my race when I'm in it. But there's going to come a time when the race finishes and I'm out of the race. Friends, time and matter and this world is temporary. The Bible says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. It's difficult for us to understand temporary and eternal. But I had a very good uh, experience recently which showed me this. My family and I were in an airport. I can't even remember which airport it was, to be honest. It was somewhere in the world, and it was late at night, and we had a three or four hour wait before our next flight. And we were sat there... You know what it's like, you're tired, you're dirty, you you just want to get home. And we were looking for something to do, and there was one of those moving walkways. They're also called travelators. Do you know the things where you're sat and everybody around you is, is sat around, but you can watch the moving walkway and people get on it and they travel along. If they just stand still, they just travel along the moving walkway and it comes to an end. And I gave my son a hard time. I was tired and 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 in a bad mood, and I said, let's work out whether if you were running on the travelator and Usain Bolt was running next to you, which of you would win? And we were trying to do physics and work out meters per second and how long the thing moved. And, uh, and I, I got really upset and frustrated with him because he couldn't keep up with me. And anyway, I felt bad about it. But the picture of the moving walkway for me, it suddenly, I suddenly realized that's how God sees time. 
and eternity. The Bible says we are in time, but God lives in eternity. Isaiah 57, verse 14, I believe. God lives in eternity. And eternity doesn't just mean more time. Eternity means where there is no time. That's what it means. So there's time, but as soon as I leave the moving walkway, as soon as I get off into eternity, when I die or when the end of the world comes, I'm in a place where I can see the beginning from the end. I can move all around time. There is no time. Time means nothing to me anymore. And suddenly, a whole lot of different confusing things in the Bible suddenly make sense when I understand that in eternity, there is no time. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more a little bit later. Bronnie, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just playing on the piano for me while I read some verses. I'm just going to read to you and ask you to imagine that end of race day. Is that okay? When the end of time comes. And then I'm going to go through three questions that we need to think about because we're going to be asked these three questions. And this puts the whole of the purpose course in context. The, the handout that we've given you with how has God, God made me, what have I been given, where have I been placed, all of that is a description of my purpose and my race, but it all comes into context when I understand the questions that I'm going to be asked at the end. And if you can imagine the end now, it will help you live now and run the race now with the big picture in mind. Instead of running aimlessly all over the track and maybe we run to the shot put area and then we try a bit of pole vault. Instead of that, I know my race and I run it with a finish line in view. Like Paul did. Today is going to be significant for you, friends. So, I'm going to read what it's going to be like. To Peter 3. Let me just start there. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Everything that we can see and touch and feel, and in fact time itself, will cease to be. It'll be burnt up with a fervent heat and a great noise. Verse 12 says, We look forward and hasten the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. And then I'm going to move to Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Can you imagine yourself there, friends? <laughs> imagine yourself in the stands. Not in the race anymore, in the stands. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle or the dwelling of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. We're in his presence. There's no separation. There's no more faith needed. I don't need to imagine any longer. I can see face to face. 
Let's read on. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There'll be no more pain. For, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He makes all things new, and the former things have passed away. They're no more. It's a brand new creation, which means me as a Christian, when I'm there, I'm a brand new creation as well. Not just a better version of me. Verse 6, and he said, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You can see the whole thing. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Freely. It's freely available. And he who overcomes will inherit all things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Are you seeing yourself there? Inherit all things. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, which is a reddish yellow green translucent color, clear as crystal. She had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The city is laid out like a square. Its length is as great as its breadth and he measured the city with a reed 12,000 furlongs, that's 1,500 miles. Its length, breadth, and height were all equal, 1,500 miles. That's bigger than India, folks. That's a city. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation. Just imagine these 12 stones now. Imagine the city translucent, glistening. But then the 12 foundations, you can actually see them underneath the city. And each of them is a different precious stone. And he describes them. Imagine the 12 stones. He says, the first foundation was jasper, which is yellow green or brown around that color. The second was sapphire, which is sky blue. The third, chalcedony, which is green and blue. The fourth, emerald, which is bright green. The fifth, sardonyx, which is red and white. The sixth, sardius, which is a red color. The seventh, chrysolite, which is gold and yellow. The eighth, beryl, which is sea green. The ninth, topaz, which is yellow green. The tenth, chrysoprase, which is golden. The eleventh, jacinth, which is violet. And the twelfth, amethyst, which is rose red or purple. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The first question that God's going to ask us is, are you in Adam 
or are you in Christ? That's the first question. You see, where everybody on planet Earth is either in Adam or in Christ. In Adam, we're of the dust of the Earth. We're physical. We're earthy. Let me read you a few verses about this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. For since death came through a man, resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. As it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. After that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are from the earth. As is the man from heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He says that we're either in Adam or we're in Christ. If I'm in Adam, I'm just living for the here and now, the physical, natural world. I'm a descendant of Adam, and because of that, I die. But if I'm in Christ, which means I've seen Christ on the cross for me, and I say, yes, Lord, I want to be in you, then I'm not of this world anymore. And that's the only question that God asks. The first question is, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Not, how good have you been? Isn't that amazing? Revelation 20 talks about judgment. Let me just read it to you because you may not believe me if you don't hear it with your own ears. He says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And anyone found, not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's either books which record all the things we've done, or there is one book just with names in it, of those who are the book of life. Those who are in Adam, all their works are recorded, everything they've done, good or bad. Those who are in Christ, just your name is written in the book of life. And if your name's in the book of life, God doesn't ask, what did you do or what didn't you do? He just says, you're in Christ. Your name's in the book of life. That's the first question. Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Are you in the books or are you, are you in the book? Amen? Second question that he's going to ask is silver or stubble? Let me read you another passage about the judgment day. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is the way you, you get into heaven, into the book of life. He says, basically he's saying, if you've chosen Jesus, you've said, I'm in Christ, I'm in the book of life. Then this is the next question God will ask you. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 3. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. So the first question is, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, then he says the fire tests everything you've done. 
Friends, let me clarify what he's saying here. He's saying it's possible to be a Christian, to have trusted in Jesus, but then my whole life, all the works that I've done have just been earthly works. They haven't been spiritual works that will last forever. They've been things of this earth, physical things, things that are dominated by my five senses, that I just go along with the rest of the crowd and I just do what the world does. He says, you will be saved, but everything you've built will be burned up. But others will build with gold, silver, and precious stones. In other words, everything they do in this earth, they do with a view of heaven coming. Instead of saying, how big can my bank account be? They say, how much can I give? Because the Bible says, when I give, I lay up treasures in heaven. Instead of saying, how happy can I be? They say, how can I bless other people? How can I lead others to Christ? How can I pray for others? How can I disciple others? How can I grow God's kingdom? All of those things are, are silver, gold, precious stones. And they remain. And he says, when we get there, some will be saved. Hallelujah, I'm saved. But, oh, everything I did on earth was burnt. Others will get there, and there's a whole lot of stuff coming with them. So that's the second question. First question, Adam or Christ? Easy. Not a, not a difficult question. Choose Christ. Easy. Second question, silver, am I building with good stuff for the kingdom forever, or am I building with stubble, which is going to just go away? Are we okay so far? Now comes the kicker. Now comes the, the real, I, I just believe it's a morsel of life. If you just get this in your heart, it'll change your Christian life forever from today. The third question is, are you going to live for the kingdom come? Or are you going to live for the kingdom here? Are you going to live for the kingdom come? Or are you going to live for the kingdom here? You see, many Christians live in time, we live in time, we're on the moving travelator, we're in the race, and we think in terms of time, we think when I die, then all that great stuff of heaven starts. They're living for the kingdom come. They think I've got to just suffer and struggle in this earth and just live my life according to this world's rules and just do everything I've got to do, and then there'll be joy, there'll be peace, There'll be fellowship with God. I'll be a new creation. I'll be healed. I'll be forgiven. I'll be close to Jesus. I'll be full of joy. I'll have joy forevermore. One day in the kingdom come. Oh, I wish. Friends, I've got something to tell you today which might blow your mind. But it is completely true. And in order to explain it to you, I need to just explain a little bit of, of why it's true. The eternal realm, the heaven realm, outside of the race, outside of the moving walkway, is the spiritual realm. It's not flesh and blood. We already read that flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of, earth, of heaven. We've already read that all the elements, all the physical things will be burned up with fire. The spiritual realm is the heavenly realm. It's a different realm. It's different from where we live right now, the spirit. It was here before the travelator was invented, and it's there after. It's there forever. Time and space and matter is just a temporary thing, but the eternal realm is the spiritual realm. And you have a spirit. 
That's the first thing I need you to understand. You have, you are not just matter. You are not just chemicals and biology and physics. You have a spirit. You have part of that outside eternal realm in you. The Bible says you have a spirit. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. You have a spirit. That's the first thing you must understand. Part of that outside realm lives in you. Is that okay? The second thing you need to understand is there is no time in the spiritual realm. Which means as you are in heaven, your spirit is now. And that will blow your mind. That will blow your mind. There is no time in the spirit realm. There is no time in heaven. As your spirit is in heaven, seated in glory, close to Jesus, a new creation, perfect. Your spirit is already there, right now. You say, Greg, are you sure? Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in you. Philippians 3, verse 20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. Let me read you a few verses that will prove this to you. Is that okay? Because I like to prove it. Revelation 21 verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. So in heaven, he makes all things new. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's already happened. What's happened in heaven has already happened in you, in your spirit. Heaven's already in you. All things new. It's already there. Another one. Revelation 2.17. He who overcomes shall inherit... Sorry, Revelation 21 verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. Romans 8 verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see what you've got in heaven? You've already got in your spirit right now. It's here. My spirit is already in heaven. Heaven's already in me. There's no time. I don't need to wait for the end. It's here. Another one. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. In other words, in heaven, I'll be like Jesus because I see Him as He is. Do I have to wait to be like Jesus? 1 John 4 verse 17 says, Because as He is, so are we in this world. I'm already like Him. I don't know if you got that. It says, In heaven, we shall be like Him. 1 John 4 17 says, I'm already like Him. But I'm not like Him. I don't look like Jesus. I don't feel like, Oh, my spirit in heaven. Heaven's already in me. I'm already seated there in heaven. And it's in me now. There's no time in the Spirit. This 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 17 says, We'll meet Him in the air and we shall always be with the Lord. We're going to be with Him always. In heaven there's no time when I'm separated from Jesus. Do I have to wait for heaven for that? No. Hebrews 13 verse 5, He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Revelation 21 verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, sorrow, crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Do I have to wait for that healing and that peace? No. 1 Peter 2, 24. By His stripes you were healed. This is the one that 
I just love. Revelation 3.21, to him who overcomes, in other words, at the end of the walkway, at the end of the race, when I enter into glory, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So when I get to glory, I'm seated with Jesus on his throne, with him, healed, no tears, no sorrow, no crying, no pain, at peace, inheriting all things with all glory and all power. I'm sat with Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful day that will be. Hold on. The Bible says I'm already there. Ephesians 2 verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's saying it's happened already. The Bible says there's a whole lot of stuff that is supposed to only happen in heaven, but the Bible says it's already happened to Christians. I'm already sat on a throne with Jesus in heavenly places. How is that possible? Because the spirit realm is timeless and my spirit is already in heaven. So the question, the third question, is are you going to wait? Because you can. You can live as a Christian living a carnal, earthly, normal, worldly life where all you do is you think about what you can see and feel with your physical senses. Are you going to live like that and then enjoy heaven? Or are you going to start participating in heaven right now? Friends, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you see yourself. You see your problems in your body, your weaknesses, your wrinkles, your whatever. You look at your emotions and you see all your problems and your emotional hang-ups and your mental problems. And then you think, hold on. This is just temporary. This is a, this is a flash in the pan. Eternity is the real deal. My spirit is the me who's going to live forever. I'm going to be given a spiritual body. This earth, this fleshly body is going to be burned up with everything else. I'm going to live in a spiritual body with Jesus on a throne forever with all glory, peace, and joy in my heart. Wow, that's the real me, and I'm already there. And the Bible talks again and again. I don't have time to go into all the verses now, but throughout the New Testament, again and again and again and again, Paul says, set your minds on the Spirit. Set your minds on things above, where you are already seated with Christ. If you start to see yourself in terms of the big picture, outside of the race, outside of the moving walkway, we still live this race, but I understand the real me is already seated with Christ. And all the power, all the joy, all that heaven affords is already available to me on the inside of me. I just need to set my mind, my eyes, the <laughs> eyes of my heart on what's on the inside instead of looking at my physical surroundings. If you get a view of eternity, I promise you, my friend, you will walk through life as a conqueror. <laughs> I'm going to read you two passages. I, there are so many I could read, but I'm just going to read two. Colossians, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you see that? You're already there. Set your mind on where you really are, on the, on the real you, and it changes everything. He goes on. 
For when Christ, is who, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Then that what's inside you will start to shine out. But it can start to shine out even now. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, and he goes on. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you used to walk when you lived with them. But now you yourselves are to put off these things and put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him who created Him. We're supposed to live thinking about who I really am, and it starts to change who I act as. You see, most of us get our signals from our, our earthly bodies, and we say, this is who I am. I remember my life story. I remember everything about me. This is who I am. But actually, He says, no, you really are somebody else. You're already seated in heaven. And then my last passage that I'm going to read is Romans 8. Verse 28 onwards. We know that all things work together for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, that means we're already in heaven in the outside realm. For whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Those He predestined, He called. Those He called, He justified. Those He justified, He glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered it up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is it who condemns? It's Christ who died. Furthermore, who's risen, who's at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword... And he goes on, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why? Not because this physical body is strong. Not because my mind is strong. Because I'm already in heaven and I'm looking at where I already am. So friends, there's three questions. Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Just a no-brainer. Just choose Christ. Then, once you're in Christ, are you going to build with silver or stubble? Again, a no-brainer. Don't build things on this earth that are just going to be burned up. Build for that kingdom. Amen? But then he says, are you going to live for the kingdom come? Which you can do. You can just dream of heaven one day and just live like every other person on earth. Or are you going to let kingdom now come? Are you going to let heaven <laughs> break into earth? When we pray, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven... Are you going to start living that out? Or are you going to wait? Let's stand together and let's pray. Friends, I'd like you to please just close your eyes and imagine yourself seated in heaven right now. The Bible talks about there's a rainbow around God's throne, that there's a sea of glass under His throne, that there's living creatures and angels who are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the Bible says that you and I in heaven are seated with Him in heavenly places on His throne far above all might, dominion, power, and every name that could be named. It says we've inherited all things. It says we've been made a brand new creation, that we are like Him, that we know Him even as we are fully known, that we know all things, that there's no more crying or pain or regret or fear or worry, that we're at peace, that we're fulfilled, that we're full of joy, that we are who we were destined to be in heaven. Now, friends, I want to tell you that that is where you are in your spirit 
right now. Right now, it's accessible to you. It's not far away. It's literally millimeters from the inside of your heart right now. It's right inside you. The kingdom of God is within you. You say, Greg, I don't feel it's within me. We don't need to feel it. We just need to trust it in our minds. We need to renew our minds. We need to open the eyes of our hearts to see this amazing power that's available to us. The power that raised Christ from the dead, that power of heaven is in me right now. I'm in heaven right now in my spirit. Friends, if you see yourself like that, you'll never be the same again. You'll run this race and this earthly world around us, you'll run it in a different way. You'll run a race in peace and rest. You don't need to strive. You don't need to struggle and say, do I need to be good enough? No, I'm already perfect in my spirit. I'm like Jesus. I have his mind. I have his joy. I have his peace. I have everything I'll ever need. It's already in me. God has given you all things. There is no time in the spirit. There's no time in eternity. Lord Jesus, thank you. We're overwhelmed by the grace that you've given us, Lord Jesus. We're overwhelmed that you broke into time and you put eternity in our hearts, Lord. You put the kingdom of heaven in us already. Thank you. Lord, I pray that you would help me to live out of that place instead of out of my flesh. Help me, Lord. Lord, your word says that my mind set on the spirit is life and peace. But the mind set on the flesh is death. I pray that you'd help me to set my mind on who I really am, Lord. Thank you that I'm accepted, that I'm loved, that I'm perfect. Thank you that all of heaven dwells within me. Lord, let it overflow. Let it overflow out of my life, Lord. Let it shine, this glory that's in me. Let it shine out of me, Lord. Your word says that Moses reflected the glory of God but that we radiate the glory of God. Lord, I pray that it would shine out of me to the world around me. Lord. That others would see heaven shining out of my life. Lord. Friends, just rest in that place right now. You're seated on a throne. You're seated. You're not working. You're not earning. You're not striving. You are seated, ruling and reigning, inheriting all things with Jesus right now. Rest in that place, Christian. For too long, you've been worried, am I forgiven? Am I good enough? Am I clean enough? Have I done enough? Rest in that place. Let the Lord open your eyes, maybe for the first time today, and see who you really are in Christ. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to leadinglightsnetwork.com.